0: Hello everyone, Alan Mischer here again from Vitality Explorer News with another edition of the Vitality Explorer News podcast. The purpose of the podcast here is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. As we always do on the Vitality Explorer News podcast, we are going to start with a quote. And this one is from Peter Drucker, who is a management consultant, educator, and author. And here it is. Until we manage time, we can manage nothing else. Until we can manage time, we can manage nothing else. So today's going to be a lot about time, especially because hello, everybody. The day that this is recorded, it is daylight savings time so the first thing you should do is check your clock because we are springing forward by an hour so you might actually think it's seven o'clock when it's actually eight o'clock or whenever you're listening to this so check your clocks. So you should be one hour further forward we're going to talk about the dangers of daylight savings time we're also going to talk about seven ways seven specific ways to reverse your biologic age. So again, these are all connected to time. And again, thinking about how we manage our time is clearly important. And one of the goals here with the Vitality Explorer News podcast with Vitality Explorers on Substack is to take the friction out of staying vital and to help you make deposits into your Vitality Bank account. So I took a deep dive this past week into daylight savings time so i'm going to you know give you all the research that i've done and then we're going to talk about specific actionable things you can do to reverse your biologic age a couple quick announcements i will be doing my stanford energize your life uh, course uh, again this this spring it's going to be on april 12th running through May 3rd, every Wednesday night, 7 to 8.30 p.m. You can sign up uh, at Stanford Continuing Studies and just type in Energize Your Life or or my name. You can also find the link on daretobevital.com. And that class and that... And that course that we're going to be running is is going to be based on the second edition of Dare to Be Vital, which is out and available on Amazon.com. This is the second edition, as I said, and it contains 50% more uh, information than the first course book that I put out three years ago. uh, Nine lessons, 17 exercises, and I hope you'll consider uh, purchasing a copy of that for yourself or somebody else. Let's dive right now into the dangers of daylight savings time. All right, and again, this is something we do twice a year in most um, of the United States. There's a few states that don't actually change their clocks. But this morning on the uh, 12th of March in 2023, uh, we are supposed to, I guess it happened at two o'clock in the morning, so from two to three is they, when they officially switched the time. Uh, but we we sprung forward, uh, one hour I want to start instead of with all the dangers, three specific ways you can m- mitigate the challenges of a time change. So, I hope you maybe tried to go to bed a little bit earlier and then tried to wake up at your normal time today, kind of reorienting yourself, for example, if you went to typically go to bed at eleven and, and get up at seven, if you got up at seven again today, it might have felt uh, like it was six because of the time change but if you're if you're listening to this early in the morning on Sunday, uh, right after daylight saving time, try to get outside and get some light, get some bright light. That's the second suggestion, because that helps reset your circadian clock. A third thing, which we've talked about before on Vitality Explorers, is take a cold shower. Just turn the shower on and take 30 to 60 seconds if you can tolerate it of a cold shower, and that'll wake you up. And I think that may also help reset your clock. So a little history of Daylight Saving Stein, it was Canada that was the first country to change their clocks way back in 2000, excuse me, 1908, so almost 125 years ago, uh, and then Germany popular, popularized it during World War One. Uh, ostensibly to limit the use of artificial life and potentially save precious fuel. So there's a few pros and cons of daylight savings time. The one that's most often talked about is longer evenings. So when you set your clock forward an hour in the spring, it doesn't really obviously create any more daylight, but it changes you know, the time that we report the sun setting and rising. And so proponents believe that that helps people stay outside longer, more recreation, more time outside, the tourism industry really does like brighter evenings so we can be outside for shopping, going to restaurants or events. Uh, another pro I, that people talk about is less artificial light, which we, we seem to get, I think, way too much of. Um, people did used to talk about it saving energy, but there's some studies out there that suggest that changing <clears throat> our clocks really doesn't save any energy and it does cost money. So people have been talking about trying to change this, you know, should we we even have it? There's lots of debates about it. Uh, And I refer you to to the conversations about that online. But I I think people would, you know, remind ourselves that a lot of this happens automatically now. Uh, But we used to have to reset all of our watches, all of our clocks. Uh, The one thing we have to doesn't automatically reset is our body clock, our internal body clock. It does not immediately change. It takes actually about seven days. So um, we, we, we forget that our sense of time is crucial to both our health and our vitality. And sometimes either springing forward or falling backward, so spring forward an hour forward in the spring, an hour backward in the fall, I kind of feel like a Picasso clock. And if you look at the Vitality Explorer new Substack site, I created this little image where a clock, uh, sort of if Picasso were drawing a clock and a confused person. So I think the first week or so afterwards, we're not really sure what time it is, our pets obviously do not know what time it is because they do not know that you changed their breakfast or dinner time. And and then when we think about that tiny shift or not so, maybe not so tiny shift of an hour, it does come with significant changes. And I wanna go through some of these changes. Uh, and there's there's a lot of published research on this and some of it's confusing. So I went back and forth with a bunch of different studies. You can see them on the Vitality Explorer Substack site uh, and the, the references to this. But here's what I found by reviewing the. The literature there is a change in the number of accidents, the uh, car accidents, the week following the time change. Some of the papers I I looked at said there's actually a decrease in car accidents in the spring and an increase in the fall. There's there's variable amounts of uh, data suggesting that there's a higher risk of stroke, cardiac disease, or and or hospital admissions, and this could be related to higher or elevated levels of blood inflammatory markers in in our blood. And there's definitely an increased uh, risk of mood disturbances, obviously, because our our sleep has changed. okay, and maybe even our sleep quality has changed. So according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, they suggest, especially the first week after the time change, you get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. You head outdoors early in the morning to get some sunlight. That, again, as we talked about at the beginning, can help Reset your internal clock, which regulates your sleep and your alertness, and try to go to bed early, or try to try to just get yourself going back on on, on the uh, the schedule. A hotly hotly debated topic is the risk of a heart attack the week after we spring forward. So again, sleep deprivation um, changes or creates a misalignment in our circ- circadian inc- internal clock. That may increase the risk for a heart attack. Um, And, you know, there's actually a very interesting paper and an interesting graphic on the Vitality Explorer New Substack site where this higher level of inflammation can lead to activation of blood clotting, which which is basically a blood clot inside one of the arteries of your heart is a heart attack. But that can also be related to the activation of our sympathetic nervous system, increased cortisol, increased stress, and increased levels of that are related to this partial sleep deprivation. And if you have any plaque or if you have any inflammation in the arteries, it can lead to destabilization of the plaque within your arteries. And that can lead to a heart attack. Okay, that can lead to higher blood pressure. It can lead lead to a variety of different things. It's very, very interesting. There's an um, analysis of multiple uh, papers that found that the overall increased risk when we spring forward was 7%. Okay, now that's not a massive increase, but it's certainly more than zero, right? So if you are at risk for having something like a heart attack and you have anything like chest pain, obviously, regardless of what time of the year it is, seek attention or dial 911. Another interesting bit of research I found is that there's a specific difference between Uh, what we would call early birds or night owls and how we adjust to the daylight savings time. So there's literally differences, genetic differences, which we call early birds. They're called early, quote, early chronotypes. And night owls are called the late chronotypes. And the night owls have a much longer mismatch in their circadian rhythm. So there's actually a longer period of time it takes them to transition after the change of just an hour. So not everybody's the same. There's some you know risks associated, but I think how we adjust to a simple one hour time shift is really fascinating can be related to our genetics. It can be related to our risk of heart or cardiovascular disease. Uh, it can be related to driving a car or operating machinery or things like that. So this this coming week, starting today, be careful how you drive. Pay attention to any physical warnings, such as chest pain and Give yourself a break because we all might be a little bit moodier and give those people around you a little bit of a break because of the change in the time. And I also agree with this idea of getting outside and trying to use that extra time you have later in the day um, to get outside and do something active. We've talked about this many times, 10, 15 minutes of time per day is a minimum that you should be exercising and if you have time at the end of your day to take your dog for a walk to go out with a friend or a spouse or or a colleague for a walk do that that will be helpful and that's going to perfectly segue into our second component of our uh, discussion here on vitality explorer uh, news and the podcast today and that's seven specific ways to reverse your biologic age now we've talked about this a couple couple times previously Uh, on the podcast, but I, I, I think I want to start with the question, and that is, do you want to look or feel younger or do you want to age more slowly? Now, some people who are really, really young, oh, they want to be in their 20s or if they're teenagers, they want to be adults. But for most of us, we want to look or feel younger, and we certainly would like to age slower. And here's some awesome good news. Science has uncovered some specific actionable ways you can actually slow down or maybe even reverse your biologic clock. clock. Some of them are relatively easy. Others are difficult. Now I'm going to go into the seven specific ways you can reverse your biologic age. We're going to talk a little on molecular biology. We're going to learn something today and then we're going to review it again. Okay, so here are the seven ways to reverse your biologic age. Ha, Number one, get consistent physical activity. Number two, prioritize high quality sleep. Number three, consider calorie restriction. Number four, eat a plant-based diet. Number five, optimize your vitamin D. Number six, have a higher household income. And number seven, have higher levels of educational attainment. Now, these are not my opinion. These are all based on papers that I've read this past week. So let's go over the seven again. More physical activity, good sleep, calorie restriction, plant-based diet, vitamin, optimal vitamin D levels, higher income, and higher educational attainment. Very, very fascinating. Those are seven specific scientific ways to slow down or reverse your biologic age- aging. Here is the reverse. Here are the eight parameters associated associated with accelerated aging. Number one, smoking. Number two, large waist circumference, high BMI or high body fat. Number three, high alcohol intake. Number four, high C-reactive protein, and, and that's a measurement of inflammation in your body. Number five, experience depression. Number six, having poor lung function, and number seven, low in, low household income. Number eight, low level of education. All right, again, uh, check out the Vitality Explorer and your Substacks. You can see all the references I read to get to these seven ways to lower your biologic age and eight ways that can accelerate your biologic aging. Well, what is that? What are we talking about when we're talking about a biologic age versus a chronologic age? And I think I think chronologic age is obviously easy to, to understand. That's just the number of years you are old, okay? The number of years since you were born. Biologic age is vigorously debated in the scientific literature, but I'm gonna try, try and give you a kind of an understanding of what people are talking about. Initially, people looked at variables like your visual test fitness evaluation and certain blood chemistry markers but newer techniques are looking at a lot more variables and how our genes respond to molecules that surround them or the that sort of the molecules that surround our dna and that is called epigenetics and this is an emerging tool used by researchers all over the world to estimate our biologic age So just, I'll go slow, but we're going to learn a little little bit of biology here, a little bit of molecular biology. Epigenetics is the study of molecules that are on or around the double helix of our DNA. So think of these two twisting ladders that are our, our, our DNA, and there are little molecules, little things called methyl groups on the outside of our DNA uh, and this is called your methylation status that can help predict aging and how quickly you age. And again, there's a graphic on, on the Vitality Explorer New your Substack site to check it out. But it turns out whether or not you have one of these specific epigenetic markers, these methyl groups attached to your DNA, DNA can partially predict your biologic age. All right That's it. No more, no more organic or molecular, more organic chemistry or molecular biology. but just think of your DNA as it's, your DNA is fixed, but how it responds or how it actually produces proteins is not fixed, and it's regulated by these sort of, if you want to think of them as valves or on/off switches that are on, on or around the DNA. Okay, now we don't have to remember anymore, but think about this. Uh, The findings from one study found that, quote, our our findings provide novel, quantitative evidence on modifiable causal risk factors for accelerated epigenetic aging, suggesting promising interventions uh, to target against age-related morbidity and improving healthy longevity. Okay, this comes from a study called the Genetic Evidence for causal effects of socioeconomic lifestyle and cardiometabolic factors on epigenetic age acceleration. And that was just published this year. Um, they utilized two different biologic clocks, one called PhenoAge and the other one called grim age. Again, you can see all the details on, on the Substack site. But here's what they found um, were the top nine factors in this particular paper. And we talked a little bit about that before. Uh, smoking, waste, waste, waist circumference. I think I spelled it wrong on the site. Uh, It should be instead of W-A-I-S-T-E, it should be W-A-I-S-T. A (laughs) A little error on the the website from which I'm reading right now. Anyway, alcohol, body fat, BMI, daytime napping, C-reactive protein, and type 2 diabetes. So what's interesting about that particular paper is that five out of nine of the parameters are connected to our diet and our weight. And then the three factors they found in this particular paper uh, with slower biologic uh, aging were sleep duration, household I- income, and educational attainment. And that looked—that was a paper that looked at 35,000 participants from all over Europe, um, and, and that was pretty fascinating. Um, another paper kind of looked at this whole thing and then put together sort of a graphic, and it's very clear. And these, you know, the bigger the circle, the more impact it would be on on your aging process and and the things that were really very clear is obviously obviously we know that smoking is very bad for you but things like depression are also very bad for your aging process poor lung function and this idea of low economic status and low education status so it's not just your physiologic parameters that predict your aging or or the pace of your aging it's it's things that uh, we need to also consider when we're talking about health, wellness, and longevity: is how how much education can you have you obtained, or can you obtain? Um, what is your household's economic status? That does affect your health. But we also can't ignore this idea that our body mass index and our weight don't matter and that physical activity doesn't matter in the opposite direction because physical activity has clearly been associated with slower aging. So when I, when I sort of take this broad look at the vitality, what I call the vitality explorer analysis and recommendations, I think we are at least in partial control of some of these of some of these factors, okay, and the the data clearly suggests that how much we eat, what we eat, our vitamin D set stat- and our vitamin D status are all important. Getting enough quality sleep, exercising more often. And um, also having things that we can work on are important. And optimizing these modifiable factors can slow down or reverse reverse aging. Again, that's not my opinion. That's based on multiple pieces of peer-reviewed published data. um, And and the other things we can do to avoid excessive... accelerating our aging process, of course, is uh, avoiding smoking and or uh, excessive alcohol consumption. The ones that I can't wrap my head around very well because it's not my area of expertise is our financial and educational status. But I think knowing that these are two clearly identified components of our overall aging process We cannot and should not ignore them. We need to do whatever we can to optimize those if we want to live our most vital lives. Uh, They're much more complicated than things like just getting more exercise or getting a little bit more sleep. Um, I will leave it to the experts in those two areas to to give us suggestions about how to do that. I I still think we're missing some components of the entire overall um, picture here, and that's the epigenetic value of social and spiritual connection. Okay, so we talked a lot about things like, you know, smoking, alcohol, weight, diet um, and and education and finances. But we didn't talk uh, talk about the epigenetics of social and or spiritual connection. And I've been looking for information about that. If anybody out there is listening to this and they have suggestions about where we can where I can find more data about that and how it affects uh, our aging process, Um, please uh, message me or leave a leave a comment below. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer news. Uh, Again, we were talking about uh, today being the day we jump forward or spring forward for daylight savings time. We also talked about seven specific ways you can reverse your biologic aging. And I want to review those seven specific ways you can reduce or uh, slow down your biologic aging before we quit here. Number one, get consistent exercise. Number two, prioritize high quality sleep. Number three, consider limiting your calories. Number four, eat a plant-based diet as much as possible. Number five, optimize your vitamin D level. Number six, which I hope most people would want is a higher household income. Number seven is seek the highest level of educational attainment that you can. So again, remember uh, the quote from the beginning there, until we manage our time, we can manage nothing else from Peter Drucker. I hope you will consider uh, uh, signing up for my Energize Your Life class through Stanford Continuing Studies and consider picking up a copy of the new Dare to Be Vital book, which is out and on Amazon. Uh, And until next time, get out there, try to stay alert this week, and dare to be vital. Thank you for listening.